How you doing there? Are you well? It's Thursday. It's myself, Richie Allen. The time is five o'clock. At least it is in Seoul, for it might be different where you are. It's good to be with you, to be with you good. Flying solo today, we're going to chat to you and I. You can join in through the website richieallen.co.uk. Not on Twitter. Not really on Facebook. So if you'd like to talk to me, you've got to do it through the website then. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now... Here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, indeed. Comment live at the top of the page. It was wet, wild and windy overnight, apparently. It'll be wet, wild and windy tonight, with storm fronts converging. Dudley on the way out, Eunice on the way in. That's what they're telling us, batting down the hatches and all of that. I'm your BBG, live from BBG Towers, running down the news during the course of the next 90 minutes or more. I don't know. I'm shanks mirroring it. That's nonsense. I'm not shanks mirroring it. Shanks mirroring it means I'm walking it. I'm not walking it. I'm sitting down here. I'm talking it is what I am doing. So yeah, yeah. I'm giving myself a bit of a stretch there. Bit of a stretch there, yeah. I feel a bit muscular achy today for some reason. I'm not coming down with anything. It could be all the running that I am doing which is uh, my addiction and my only addiction. I used to be addicted to sex, but I'm 47 now. and I'm lucky if I... No, I'm not going to finish that gag. Stop it right there. This is a family show. (laughs) Okay, so yes, there is a, a rare red weather warning in the UK at the moment. It's the highest level. It's the highest level, a red warning. But uh, if you're in southwest England, South Wales, you have to look out for this because tomorrow, Friday, there will be a danger to life from flying debris. The Met Office is saying that Storm Eunice could uh, could gust up to 90 miles per hour, causing significant disruption. Homes might be damaged, trains will be cancelled and power cuts are likely. So that's a, the warning. That's a public service broadcast now. Public service announcement now. So the red warning will be in place from 7 o'clock in the morning until midnight tomorrow. Midnight, I should say midnight Saturday, shouldn't I? So from Friday morning to midnight Saturday, you've got to keep an eye out for it. Uh, Devon, Cornwall, Somerset may be in danger. Serious weather systems. And I know there will be those, 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 pronounce your THs, you big lanky backstard. There will be those who think, who think to themselves, tell you what, Paulie, some of these weather systems they can either be manufactured or existing ones can be accelerated. And I don't think you're far wrong, but listen, it doesn't mean that these aren't natural storms. You feel for the guys out at sea, don't you? Having, you know, grown up near the sea, grown up in Waterford, six, seven miles away from Tremor, a little bit further away from Dunmore East, 
Difficult time for the old fishermen. Yeah, anyway, train service service is suspended in Wales tomorrow. Rail companies looking to deal with that. Storm Eunice, the worst one for generations, Storm Eunice. Why did they call it after a woman? Well, because it's a life-sucking bitch from which there is no escape if you're caught out in it. I love the bit about schools closing in Wales because it brings me back to when I was a young boy going to school in Ballybeg in Waterford. You might remember listening to local radio when you were a child around about January, February time when there was a sprinkling of snow and you were delighted when you got up in the morning. There was snow. Genuinely listening to Local radio WLR waiting with your fingers crossed and inevitably a presenter, the breakfast person, would come on and say, and here's a list of the schools that will be closed today in Waterford because of the snow and off the radio presenter would go. Reading out the school names and you'd be sitting there. St. Paul's, St. Paul's, that's primary and secondary. De La Salle. De La Salle, that's primary and secondary. The Presentation, that's primary and secondary. The Mercy Convent, primary and secondary. And you're biting your nails there. Come on! Come on! Skull or Corn, Skull or Corn only had a primary. Shit, come on! Mount Sion, Mount Sion, Mount Sion, that's primary and secondary schools again, for the love of God! And then St. Saviour's in Ballybeg, yes, yes. Oh yeah, God be with the day. St. Saviour's doesn't have a secondary school, but I remember those days really well. Funnily enough, we didn't need snow to cause any disruption to our schooling back in the very late 70s, early 1980s. Because um, schools back then, the boiler was forever breaking down. Meaning the radiators wouldn't work. The teachers would be freezing their knickers off. And they would just send you home. No mobile phones back then. Not even many phones. They just sent you home. Not giving an arse whether there was a parent at home to receive you. Honestly, just get out. The radiators aren't working. Get out. Go home. I lived about a quarter of a mile, a half a mile from the school, no problem, we walked home. And sometimes it would be worse, because you'd have to sit outside in the freezing cold for hours until someone came home. I tell you, we had it hard back then. So mind yourselves tomorrow, mind yourselves tomorrow. Six and a half minutes past five. You see that poor fecker who got eaten by a shark this morning off of Sydney, you see that? A 35-year-old British man called Simon Nellist nothing funny about this, uh, was named as the victim of Sydney's first fatal shark attack in nearly 60 years. They're scouring the waters for the great white shark. For what? I don't understand this. To get revenge on the shark, who's just doing what sharks do sometimes. Uh, The guy was swimming, he was a diving instructor. I'll tell you what I found pretty unpalatable. Some breakfast television programmes showed some pretty awful footage of the attack this morning. And while you couldn't see the shark actually attacking the gentleman, God love him, you could see the water suddenly cascading in red. Unbelievable. Why did they show that? Heartless. 
Did they not think his friends and family might see some of that stuff? Maybe they wouldn't want to see it, maybe. I don't know, it's just me. It's just me. Let's talk then. Let's talk good and proper, you and I. False flag attacks then. We've talked about many a false flag attack over the years. You and me, Misha August Tussa. Uh, reports of shelling in the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine have emerged. Uh, this is where the Russian-backed rebels have been fighting Ukrainian troops all the way back to 2014 when the West when the West enacted a coup on Ukraine, removed its president and put a puppet in place. That's what the West did. Read about Victoria Newland. Yats is our man. Look it up, right? Anyway, that's where this all began, by the way. The West decided to get rid of the Ukrainian president, put their own one in. I won't get into great detail here because I don't need to. I could, but I'd be here for 20 minutes. Look at Victoria Newland, Eurasian secretary, what she was doing there. Anyway, so they're, they're claiming the Russians are, or, or have done, or have carried out some sort of false flag attack to give Russia the, the pretext to go all in on Ukraine. It's an alleged attack on a kindergarten, allegedly when children were still inside it. It's being said that Russia shelled a kindergarten to blame it on Ukraine. And um, is there any truth in it? Well, I can't say no definitively because, well, I don't know definitively. But the West, Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, accusing others of false flag attacks. Police. Police. Biden has echoed the claims that Russia is looking to have an excuse to go in. Uh, that's what he told reporters at the White House today. And Biden continues to assert that an attack on Ukraine by Russian troops, an invasion, is imminent. The Russians are saying, not at all, this is Western hysteria. The UK Foreign Secretary, Liz Truss, is in Kiev. I won't subject you to horror. Uh, the UN Security Council is in session. I won't bore you with any of that either. But let's hear the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. He was speaking at RAF Waddington today, where presumably he was there to admire the planes, the fighter jets. You'll hear Johnson here. Hang on, let's get rid of Cool and the gang. <laughs> You'll hear Boris Johnson here talking about the alleged false flag attack. Well, I'm here at, uh, at RAF Waddington to talk to uh, some of our, our crew, the, uh, the, the officers who are involved in very, very important uh, intelligence gathering and surveillance. And some of the, uh, some of the planes here today are going to be used very shortly over the border in, uh, in, in, in Belarus, in Poland uh, and elsewhere uh, over uh, Ukraine to, to see what's going on and to uh, allow us to have an even finer detail evaluation of, uh, of the military dispositions there. What is the latest intelligence you have regarding the withdrawal of Russian troops from the border with Ukraine? I wish I could give everybody better news about this, but I have to tell you that the picture is continuing to be very grim. And t today, is, as I'm sure you've already picked up, uh, a kindergarten was shelled in uh, what we're taking to be a, uh, what we know was a false flag operation uh, designed to uh, uh, 
to discredit the Ukrainians, are designed to create a, a pretext, a, 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 a spurious provocation uh, for Russian action. Uh, we fear very much that that is the kind of thing we'll see more of over the next few days. Mm, it takes a false flag expert to know a false flag expert. He went on then to talk about sanctions and stuff. And uh, what we're doing is making sure that we do everything to strengthen the package of sanctions that will follow immediately should there be uh, a Russian invasion. We're strengthening the eastern frontier of, of NATO and I'll be going to, uh, to the European Security Conference in Munich uh, a little bit later on uh, over the weekend to, to talk about what we're going to do to, to unify the West. Are you having to rush forward your ban on tier, tier 1 visas, these so-called golden visas, because you're worried about a rush of applications? I mean, is this, a, is this a sign of a crackdown on Russian money in the UK? I think it's very important that we uh, address all the issues that we can as fast as, as we can, and uh, we have already some very tough laws on, on money laundering, on uh, people uh, laundering ill-gotten gains here in the, in the UK. Uh, but clearly, uh, it's time to, to bring in some tough sanctions against the, the Russian regime, against uh, big Russian uh, companies, organisations of strategic importance, and also making sure that we, uh, we, entered, we stop the raising of funds by Russian companies on London financial markets. That's a very, very tough sanction that we'll be, uh, we'll be bringing in. Yeah, the former Conservative Party chairman, James Cleverly, has said that Russia is waging a disinformation war, a misinformation war that will, again, give it the pretext to to invade Ukraine. I could spend hours, now I really could, and I know you know that I could, talking about Western false flag manoeuvres in the last 60, 70 years. You can go back to Gulf War One, when Saddam had to be stopped in Kuwait, Remember the lies told on the BBC and ITN about Iraqi soldiers pulling babies out of incubators and throwing them on the ground? Remember all of that bullshit? That's just one of thousands. So that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying the Russians are not looking to do false flag attacks to make Ukraine look like the bad guy, because I'd be wrong to say that because I don't know. I can only tell you, what it is, I suspect. Your opinion means a lot to me. On this, I know you will have many opinions. Go to richieallen.co.uk and let me know what you are thinking. It's 14 and a half minutes past the hour. Anything else to bring you on that story? Nothing I've already said that the Russians have said reports of an escalation in violence are concerning, but uh, they say the West is basically acting hysterically and has been acting hysterically since the turn of the year. So there's nothing else really to tell you. Uh, the Western media, I can only really speak for the US media and the media here in the UK. It's disgusting. It is minute by minute, hour by hour, anti-Russian propaganda with little or nothing from the other side. An occasional former Russian minister, but nobody current no balance. It's what you'd expect from the BBC, from Sky News, of course, and the rest of them, Channel 4, and so on, so on, so on. By the way, I should have said that James Cleverly, former Conservative Party chairman, is a, a Europe minister now. He's a Europe minister, whatever that means. 
I genuinely don't know what that means. 16 minutes past five. It's drive time, so I'll keep telling you the time is what I'll do. Because I'm flying solo, couple of tunes. When we come back, we're going to talk, you and I, about jabbing five to 11-year-olds. All right? Because that's kind of important. And the go-ahead to jab five to 11-year-olds has been given for the entire UK. I know. This is Blondie, and the tide is high. Thursday's Richie Allen Show with me, the BBG. Good to be with you. Thanks for joining me. Jean-Anne asked me, was, was Debbie a pin-up for me back in the day? Debbie Harry, or Deborah Harry, just a smidgen, just a fraction before my time. I was born in 1974, in late 1974, so just a little bit before my time. I was taken with Kim Wilde when I was a young boy. I loved a bit of Kim Wilde. I thought Kim was beautiful. I thought Cheryl from, from Bucks Fizz was gorgeous in the early to mid-80s as well. She went on the Record Breakers television programme with Roy Castle. She was gorgeous. And Madonna. And I'm talking Madonna like 83, 84, when there was very little flesh exposed. And she was very girly. Madonna, I thought Madonna was lovely. Tiffany. I could be here all day. Tiffany. I think we're alone now. Bit of Tiffany then. And then Susanna from the Bangles. Yeah. And then Boy George. Oh, that one slipped out. Shit. Backtrack, backtrack, backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> Richie's bisexual. Right. Um, Craig says, years ago, I lived in a small coastal village for a couple of years. When the storms were coming in, I loved going down to the rocks to enjoy the power of the storm. Hiding behind the biggest rocks as the waves crashed overhead. Reckless, says Craig, but exhilarating. Craig was doing extreme sports before any of us ever heard the term extreme sports. Cheers, Craig. Al says, many years ago, there was only one name needed for all these storms, and that was winter. Nowadays, a moderate breeze gets its own name. Speaking of Ballybegin, St. Saviour's, Clifton has been on, and he tells me all the schools in Waterford City are off tomorrow because of the wind, Richie. The wind, says Clifton. Can't be too careful. <laughs> Don't begrudge the kiddies a day away from school. Anth, Anth has sent me a YouTube link to a song and asked me, will I play it? I'll have to hear it, Anth, and I'll need the MP3 or the WAV file. I'm not going to play a YouTube um, song because that wouldn't be very professional of me. Thanks for sending me the link. I'll listen to the song later on. If I think it's any good, I'll play it on Monday. That's the promise. That's the promise. Scott says, Richie, have you seen the producer of The Beatles' son, Gregory Paul Martin? He claims to be a master astrologer, and he predicts the downfall of the cabal. Does he really? I don't know very much about George Martin, the Beatles' producer. Very little about him. So he has a son called Gregory Paul and he is an astrologer and predicts the downfall of the cabal. That's, uh, I suppose that's interesting. Indeed, some of, my, some of my dearest contacts over the years and guests who have come on my programmes, they're students of astrology. They, they really believe in it. I can't count the amount of times when I would be speaking to a friend of mine. I won't name any of them. But I might say to them, ah, it was a difficult show today. I, would, I might say, you know, it was a difficult show. Why, Richie? Well, a guest 
cried off at the last second. There was a little technical glitch and inevitably my astrologer friend would say, well, Mercury is in retrograde, Richie. Mercury is in retrograde. As if I'm supposed to know what the feck that means. Do you believe it? Do you know what I've learned over the years? Not to turn your nose up at anything. Do I disbelieve it? No. Do I believe it? I haven't a clue. Haven't a Scooby-Doo. Joan says, Richie, hello. Update from Ottawa. In case anyone wants to know. Of course we do, Joan. I've been covering it. She says, Tamara, one of the organisers, is about to be arrested. She said that she will be fined uh, and that people should carry on being peaceful and to hold the line. Another statement was put out with what they need to happen for everyone to go home. I understand the police are giving notices to people, telling them to go home there, Joan. Uh, seven points. Uh, this, is what, this is what the protesters want. Seven points. The protesters. No masks, no vaccine passes, etc. Uh, the emergencies act as apparently against the law. It'll be interesting to see what happens there, says Joan. Whoever donated to the truckers, go fund me. They've had their bank accounts frozen. Now, is there any proof of that, Joan? Have people who donated to the Go Truckers GoFundMe, have those people had their own bank accounts frozen just for supporting the truckers? I'd like to see some proof of that. I'm not suggesting that I don't believe it or that people are lying, but a lot of things get said, and sadly, in the world we live in, not enough proof is sought. You've heard me a thousand times over the years. Show me some proof. I'm not saying I don't think it is happening. I mean, they are... Bastards, aren't they? And Trudeau is... What a shithouse Trudeau is. What an absolutely disgusting slimeball Justin Trudeau is. I've also been told, by the way, to be careful. Last evening, I played a clip that I took from talk radio of what appeared to be a gentleman who was a spokesperson for the Freedom Convoy. A number of people got in touch with me and said, Richie, there are a few people going on national radio and telly in the US and Canada obviously Canada, and in the UK claiming to be spokespeople for the Freedom Convoy when in fact they are not. They are hijacking uh, the Freedom Convoy and using the convoy to get on TV and to steer people away from the real issues. That might very well be true. Now I've said it, so leave me alone. I've said it, so I have. So many comments coming in and I've got so much to tell you, so I better move on. Lovely. Brambo says, please no reference to James O'Brien today, Richie. I, I, people make me laugh. I had two or three messages from people. And I'm, I hope people understand, have, having listened to me for a long time, I hope they get my sense of humour. I had Nick Pope on the programme the other evening. Nick used to work at the Ministry of Defence. He's very interested in ufology, aliens, abductions, encounters, people's stories. And I had some uh, messages from people, not, not in good humour now. Not tongue-in-cheek, but people telling me, don't ever have him on the programme again, Richie. So I just reply to each and every one of them with a two-word email. The second word is off. I'll interview whoever I want to interview, whenever I want to interview them. If you don't like it, you can get the fuck out. Go somewhere else. Listen to someone else. Okay. That's how it goes, you see. You're either for freedom of speech and freedom of choice, or you're not. He's a chill. I don't care what you think. I don't even care if you're right. It doesn't matter, does it? Anywho. Hi to Alan, who says, uh, Newland, that's Victoria Newland, uh, CIA are backing neo-Nazi C as of battalion. You need to put a bit more meat on those bones, Al. 
in Liverpool just a little bit. Help me out here, pal. Help me out. It's a Thursday. Abdel says, read the kindergarten false flag. Nice touch, he says, I suppose there was the obligatory teddy bear on the floor. Dunno, haven't seen anything. Right, okay, okay, let's talk COVID jabs for five to 11-year-olds right across the United Kingdom. Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England. The Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation gave the blessing, its blessing, to jabbing the very young kiddies. Adam Finn is often the man rolled out to talk on behalf of the JCVI. He was on BBC Radio 5 this morning and gave the reasoning for the go-ahead for jabbing the kiddies with jabs they obviously do not need and could do them great harm. What did he tell the BBC? Yes, absolutely. It took some time because we really had to look through the evidence uh, very carefully. There are different parts of this. There's the protection that children themselves get from the vaccine against getting seriously ill. There's whether or not it will have impact uh, on their education and uh, school attendance. Uh, and then there's broader considerations of whether this is going to be important for uh, society in a broader way, in addition, whether uh, children are going to infect adults and we can prevent that from happening. So all of that had to be weighed up. And there's also, of course, the side effects of the vaccine and those need to be considered too. Uh, so all of those things got discussed over a period of weeks and uh, the uh, outcome was published yesterday. Uh, some other countries have made this decision much more quickly. Why is that? Isn't he wretched, that presenter? His name is Rick Edwards. He used to do children's television and then he used to do pop culture television. Isn't he wretched? He's asking this guy, why did it take so long to roll the jabs out for kiddies? Now, Rick Edwards will know that there are dozens, if not hundreds, of doctors in this country who say that this is abominable. It is unethical. It is fucking monstrous to give a jab to a child that doesn't need it. To get a child to take a medication on behalf of someone else because pretty much the sole justification for jabbing the kiddies is to protect wider society, to protect more vulnerable people the children might come into contact with. So Edwards should have said to him, there are many in medicine in this country who think this is a terrible thing to do. But what does he do, the BBC bastard? He says, why didn't you do it quicker? Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. It took some time because we really had to look through the evidence uh, very carefully there are different parts of this. There's the protection that children themselves get from the vaccine against getting seriously ill. There's whether or not it will have impact uh, on their education and uh, school attendance. Uh, and then there's broader considerations of whether this is going to be important for uh, society in a broader way, in addition, whether uh, children are going to infect adults and we can prevent that from happening. So all of that had to be weighed up. And there's also, of course, the side effects of the vaccine and those need to be considered too. Uh, so all of those things got discussed over a period of weeks and uh, the uh, outcome was published yesterday. Mm. Uh, some other countries have made this decision much more quickly. Why is that? Yeah, I, I made a buzz of that, didn't I? Here's the answer. Uh, I think there are a combination of factors. The first thing, uh, as you just heard from the Secretary of State, is that from our point of view, the, uh, the booster programme for adults was very much more the priority at the end of last year when we could see the Omicron uh, wave coming through. 
And we had good evidence that a further dose was going to uh, significantly impact on the number of people getting seriously ill. And those people are almost entirely adults. Um, the other thing is that we did really need to carefully weigh up whether we were doing more good than harm with this program, uh, which was a theoretical possibility, because uh, that's the very last thing we ever want to do with a vaccine. We clearly always want to be uh, bringing about benefit overall. Uh, and we were able to get a lot more evidence uh, from observing what's gone on in other countries, mm. as he just mentioned, mm. that are using the vaccine around safety. Uh, th there will be parents who are concerned about safety and, and people presumably who will say, well, hold on, why, why is the JCVI kind of changing its mind? What would you say to that? Yeah, pathetic question again. There will be parents who are concerned. There are hundreds of doctors who are saying this is wrong. It shouldn't happen, ever. And Edwards, the presenter, is not going to put that to Adam Finn, his answer. Uh, well, I don't think we're changing our mind. We've never said up to this point that, that there would not be a programme for children. We just sure. needed to have enough information to be sure that this was something we could go ahead with. Um, but with regard to safety, I think uh, the, the main issue for parents to be aware of is that around about 10% of children in this age group will get symptoms of side effects. They'll get headaches, fevers, feel off colour for a day or two, and may even need to have a, a day or two off school. Uh, so that's the, the safety side of it that, that, that uh, may affect significant numbers of children. There are extremely rare cases of uh, inflammation of the heart that we've seen more actually in adolescents and young adults than in children of this age. Uh, that in, the Amer in the Americas where they're using the vaccine in this age group with this lower dose and wide dose intervals, we think that the risks to the heart will be extremely low, but there might be the odd child affected in that way as well. We think the risks to the heart of children, to the hearts, will be extremely low. He mentioned earlier in that piece that he mentioned long-term data. There is no long-term data in terms of any long-term data that demonstrates the impact further down the road on the children who might receive the jab. These are evil people. I've been, I've not self-censored. Not a single time during the last two years or even in the last seven and a half years. I've not self-censored. And I, I'm not doing that now. I'm not saying that I have self-censored. But I've, I've been fair and I've avoided using terms like evil to describe individuals like Adam Finn. Not because I fear or I feared any repercussions. No, but I thought, don't, just don't do that. Keep it professional. Adam Finn is an evil human being. He is a monster. He knows full well that there is absolutely no need to give children any of these jabs, whether or not it's a, it's a reduced dose compared to, to adults. He knows that COVID represents virtually zero threat to children as a group the children who get it. Couple of days. Bit of a headache, bit of a runny nose. That's the children who get it. He knows this. He's evil. It's reprehensible, this, isn't it? You just hope that parents will hold out. The, the health secretary, the utterly useless Sajid Javid, did say yesterday, this is an a non-urgent rollout, those are his exact words, that it will be 
left up to parents. Well, of course it'll be left up to parents. The cheek of him to say that. But parents will make the decision. They won't be leaning too heavily on parents. I just hope parents en masse will say, this is nonsense. But they mightn't. This is the problem. And I'll give you an example of why they might not. Simon Clark is a microbiologist at, sorry, he is a cellular microbiologist at Reading University. Simon Clark. He was on the Jeremy Vine show today. He said kids should get it to protect the vulnerable. Listen. This is being given because, of course, there are children and indeed older people who've had a vaccine, but for whom, of course, uh, it might not be 100% effective. Nobody's ever said these vaccines are 100% effective. So there are gaps in the wall of immunity. So by vaccinating children, we remove some of the chains of infection that could allow those vulnerable people to to be exposed to the virus. It does also need to be remembered that, that children's risk is not zero. It's very low, but it's not zero. And uh, while mercifully very few children end up seriously ill, unfortunately some do. So there will be people very enthusiastic to get their children vaccinated and people who won't go near it. Yeah, jab the kiddies because if you do, you might break that chain of transmission to the more vulnerable person who can't have the jab because the jab won't work for them or the immunocompromised. Jab the kids to protect older people who can't themselves be protected by the jab. And this, I I think I'm right in saying this, feel free to contradict me through the website richieallen.co.uk. This is a very recent thing, asking people to take a medical intervention on behalf of someone else. It was never the case. It is unsound medical theory. It is absolutely redundant, this idea, that somebody who's perfectly healthy should take a medical intervention themselves to protect somebody else. This is absolute nonsense. And this was this would have been dismissed four, five, six, ten years ago as junk science. Now you've got guys like him, Simon Clark, you've got Adam Finn saying, no, no, it's the right thing to do. It's exactly 20... We're going to stay with just one more clip on that. 23 minutes to the top of the hour. One very vocal, outspoken GP is Renee Hunderkamp. She will... She's often found on talk radio, particularly talk radio. She's a GP paediatrician, absolutely outraged by this decision. She tells talk radio's Kevin O'Sullivan the decision to jab 5 to 11-year-olds is sinister, she says. No reasoning at all. There's no figures in the documents at all on how many children you would have to vaccinate to save one life, just one. Now, every life is precious, and I get that. But if we actually look from the start of the pandemic to the end of December, in terms of healthy children, because that's what we're talking about here, we know that vulnerable children may have the vaccine and many need it. But in terms of healthy children, one child in this age range has died in Scotland and England across the entire pandemic to December. After December, we have Omicron, which is much milder. Most of these kids don't even know they have it. And then the only other thing I can think about is the justification that they gave for 12-year-olds to have it, and that was to save school time. Well, firstly, it didn't save any school time because of isolation rules, bubbles, and everything else that was still in practice. And it's not going to save any school time for these 5 to 11-year-olds. So I don't know, Kevin. To me, it's sinister. It has to be. Sinister, she says. It has to be. Jean-Anne just said there, 
something to me. She said something very interesting to me there, not for the first time or for the last time. Uh, the term vulnerable and the term victim. And it's something that she said, words we hate, vulnerable, not to mention victim. And I've, I've been very interested in recent years about the rise of the use of the term vulnerable right across society and right across a number of issues. And vulnerable has come to mean, it has come, it has come to, to basically be an excuse for the state to intervene and to take control of the destiny or the destinies of the person or persons or groups who have been identified as vulnerable. And I've gotten into this over the years with people like, uh, um, what's, what, Stuart Waiton. Oh, it's one of those days, isn't it? Mine gone blank for a moment. The academic Stuart Waiton, Apertay University, the Geordie, great guy, who's written books on this. I spoke to a guy from, what's the guy's name, the Italian guy? It'll come back to me in a moment. Very interesting, Frank Furedi. Really interesting interview with him a couple of years ago as well about, about, about the state identifying groups of people as vulnerable in order to disempower them in order to take away their sovereignty, to take away their power, to take control of their destinies, to make decisions on their behalf. But also, but also, to, to condition those who have not been identified as vulnerable or, or, or who are not perceived to be vulnerable, to impose restrictions on them, on what they can do, where they can go, what they can say, if it impacts the vulnerable. You get me? The rise of this term, protect the vulnerable, the most vulnerable. And uh, I've been really fascinated by that in recent years. Governments don't give a shit about vulnerable people. About genuinely vulnerable people, we know this. They don't care about children. They don't care about young girls being raped by, by grooming gangs in Rotherham, in, in, in Rochdale and, and elsewhere. They don't care about people dying in fuel poverty in, in, in the winter. They don't care about old people. Governments see old people as seniors, I should say. I should never say old people. As someone who loves the company of, of senior people. And I do. I'm not virtue signalling here. Um, they, they allow people to die in fuel poverty. They, they call them useless eaters. They laugh at them. Governments give weapons to countries like Saudi Arabia to obliterate men, women and children in Yemen. Governments don't give a shit about anybody except for themselves and their puppet masters. That's the irony. They don't care about vulnerable people. People with disabilities. You know, people who genuinely need some help. Governments don't care. But they use the term vulnerable group or vulnerable people to disempower people, to take control of them, to take control of their thoughts and their speech, and everybody else's. And they use the now corralled vulnerable to tell everybody else what to do, what to say, when you can say it, when you can't say it. They, they, they change language. They criminalise language and speech, obviously, around the term vulnerable, the vulnerable. Who's vulnerable? Got to have that jab. Why? Because the vulnerable. I was reading stories today on Twitter there is a Richie Allen show account on Twitter. It's 
You know, I was deleted. I was kicked off Twitter, right? I don't care. It makes no difference to me. There is an account. And it's not for me to tweet. I don't tweet. I use it because it is useful sometimes to send a, a direct message to a potential guest, right? So there is there is a Richie Allen Show account. Don't waste your time following following it because I won't be tweeting on it or doing anything like that. Anyway, I was reading today a number of stories from different parts of the world about how vulnerable people are really concerned about the end of COVID restrictions. Vulnerable people. This is bullshit now. They're making this up, right? They're saying that people with um, autoimmune disorders, people with immunity issues, people whose immune systems don't work very well, the immunosuppressed or the immune the immunocompromised. Apparently those people are shitting themselves about the end of restrictions. They're vulnerable. They want to go out, but they're scared of going out now because everybody is ditching the masks. People are not observing social distancing. And these vulnerable people, they just wish that people would be more responsible and think of them. Vulnerable people. It's, um, yeah, the, the use of language. The co-opting of terms. Important terms. Vulnerable is an important term. We're surrounded by vulnerable people. There are men, women and children in Manchester tonight, in Salford, who don't have a bed. Through abject poverty. Those people are vulnerable. The government doesn't give a shit about them. They're not all alcoholics and drug addicts. They're not. Increasingly, people are becoming homeless in this country because they haven't got a pot to piss in. These are vulnerable. These are genuinely vulnerable people. What are local authorities and governments doing? Fuck all. But they'll identify vulnerable groups that suit them in order to transform society, to push it ever more towards dystopia. You're vulnerable. We'll take control of you. I've said this to black people. I've said it to, I've, I've seen this with the issue of racism. I've said to black people, how could you allow, you know, your, how could you allow yourself to be controlled by governments or by NGOs or non-governmental organisations or anyone or charities or, or anti-racism charities telling you that you're vulnerable, that you must not hear certain things on the telly or on the radio because you're vulnerable. And it's lovely because you do see quite a lot of black people, black celebrities, particularly in America, standing up against it and saying, fuck off. Don't tell me I'm vulnerable. Don't come to me and say you're an anti-racism charity. I'll, I'll deal with any racism I encounter myself. Thank you very much. Anyway, it's 14 minutes to the top of the hour. Did I play the... I did play the René Kunderkamp clip. I did. Indeed, it's time for another tune. It's the Beatles and Get Back on the Richie Allen Show for Thursday, the 17th of February, 2022. I'm talking over John Lennon there, and I know I know what I'm doing. Keep the comments coming in. In fact, when the song ends, when the track is over, I'll come back with your comments. How about that? All right? It's richieallen.co.uk. Comment live. The Beatles and Get Back on your Richie Allen Show. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Please do. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for listening to. You're very good, you know for joining me here every day at five. 
Alice says, Richie, the government is a mafia organisation, so of course it doesn't give a shit about people. Amen, Alice. Gavin says, I feel sorry for the kids with parents that have been psychologically damaged by the toxic media and government propaganda. These kids will be marched straight to their nearest extermination centre. It's a bit heavy, Gavin. He says, as for the immunocompromised wanting me to isolate or wear a mask, I couldn't give less of a fuck, he says, if they feel threatened. But that's not true, Gavin. We're better than governments. If you meet an immunocompromised person who is genuinely at risk from picking up an infection, we would empathise because we're human beings. But that's not mutually exclusive from saying, no, I won't wear a mask because it's not going to make any difference. And it might do me some, some damage. It might be very unhealthy for me. So look, I'm sorry about your immunocompromised problems. I wish you well with them and feel free to, to give me a wide berth if you like. But I'm not going to walk around keeping my distance from people and wearing masks. I'm sorry about that. That's the way I think, you know, that's, that, that would be my approach. That being said now, Gavin, if somebody approached me and barked at me and demanded that I do this or that on their behalf, I might take your attitude and I might turn the air blue. But uh, I don't know. Al says, Richie, the way I see it is we are all vulnerable whilst these corrupt, nonce-loving mafioso, kinky shit herders remain in power. Tell you what, the, the comments are fantastic today. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. Moving on down, Cookie says, Richie, two to three hundred elderly have died at home in poverty in the UK for decades. This is why I never feel for, you know, it's for our health. If they cared, then why let people die alone? Sven says the world leaders and their minions are a global murdering crime syndicate. William says complete dependency on the state is what they want. Of course, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Absolutely right, William. Steve says you'll never hear these officials, experts on the media, mention natural remedies to illnesses like vitamin C, D, D3 and zinc. That's because they are 100% controlled by Big Pharma. Craig came back to say the government can bugger off. That's telling him. Ants says they've been victimising black people for decades, especially in the United States. It's divide and conquer, isn't it, Ant? It's divide and conquer. It's a classic tactic. It's been around. It's been around since Jesus, Mary and Holy St. Joseph were breathing this rare air. Divide and conquer. Turn people against one another. Identity politics. Keep dividing them into ever more bizarre groups. I'm in the LGBT plus, no, I'm in the LGBTQ plus community. Are you? What community are you in? Well, I'm in the, I don't know, communities, communities, communities. Each one believing it is the most victimized community in society. Who's getting it worse? We are. No, we are. We are, you hateful bastard. We are. I'll kill you. And the puppet masters just laugh. You morons. Getting worked up about skin colour, about religion, about sexual orientation. You absolute fucking cretins fighting with each, each other over who you go to bed with. 
while we're just laughing our arses off. Yes, identity politics. Been talking about it for many, many years. Lovely. I've seen this a few times today. It's a, it's a job vacancy with the National Health Service. Thank you, Kay. Uh, Kay says, interesting NHS job advertisement for multiple posts. Uh, quote, an opportunity has arisen for multiple caseworker posts within the vaccine damage payment team, part of our primary care service, services directorate. Now, look, Kay, look, I'm with you. You know, I, I, I would tend to lean towards there's something very sinister about that. But I also have to be a journalist and you just don't know. They've indemnified the giant pharmaceutical companies from litigation when, when, because it's already happened, when the jabs start killing people. It's already happened. The government has taken the burden. And there is a vaccine damage payment scheme. So maybe this is fairly innocuous. You know, they expect they will have to pay out some money to some people. So they're advertising for people to come and work in the job. Doesn't necessarily mean what I think it might mean, Kay, and you think it might mean, and that is that they're going to be overwhelmed. But maybe they will, you see. Maybe they will. Jake says, Richie, it is absolutely pure evil to shoot up the kids with these experimental gene therapies. Thank you. And he sent me a story there, which is too long for me to read. You can read it on childrenshealthdefence.org. Thank you, Jake. Of course it's evil. Of course it's evil. It's six minutes to five and a half minutes to the top of the hour. I've got some good news to bring you. A little bit of good news. Um, you can, it's safe to go outside again. It is safe to go outside again uh, because speaking to ITV presenter Robert Peston last night, Labour's Emily Thornbury a woman who never said no to a jam donut, uh, she said she wouldn't date an unjabbed person, Emily Thornbury. I wouldn't go out with someone who wasn't vaccinated. You literally wouldn't? No. Really? Yeah, no, really not. What would you say? Like, you fancy I'd them? Say, you well, first of all, I'd say I'm married. You have a great... She's married, as it happens. You have a great three <laughs> dates. That is your husband. <laughs> and then on date three, you're totally into this guy and he's like... I'm date three, you're into the guy... And then he, he's not jabbed. I'm not vaccinated. You're like, that's it. I'm but out. Really? But, yeah, really? but hold on. He doesn't have to be a conspiracy thing. I don't care. I don't care. It shows him to be selfish, to not care about community, to not have a sense of responsibility. I think that we owe it to others to be vaccinated, we, not we, us to ourselves. I'll, I'll tell actually. the girlfriend you disapprove. What about, what about? I disagree. Emily Thornbury there. The answer to the age-old question, who ate all the pies? Emily said she wouldn't date an unjabbed person. Now, the collective sigh of relief around the world last night broke the Beaufort scale, smashed the, bro the Beaufort scale, and it capsized a thousand freight ships. A thousand freight ships. Keep those comments coming in. RichieAllen.co.uk Julia says, I've got a friend who is very pro-vax, and I burst into tears when she told me she was going to get her five- and seven-year-old jabbed. She is so brainwashed, says Julia. She's had two back-to-back -back miscarriages since being vaxxed herself. But she can't see that the jab is dangerous. Jesus. Wow. God, God love her. Tyke says, Richie, why are they offering the jabs to the kiddies now? It's like closing the stable door when the horse is gone. 
the virus is long gone. It's not for the good of the kids. It's all to do with artificial intelligence, says Tyke. It's bloody evil, he says there. Lovely. We are going to talk about something else now, are we? Are we? We might be. We are. No, this will make you laugh. Before we, before we move on, this will make you laugh. What was the name of the Japanese soldier who refused to surrender at the end of the Second World War? The guy who buried himself on an island for 30 years. I genuinely can't remember. Madman, remember. He didn't surrender till 1972, was it? Three? This guy? Some, some, for some reason, Onedo or Onedo is coming into my mind. What was his name? The, the guy who wouldn't surrender. Do you know who he reminds me of? The Japanese soldier who would not surrender. Do you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of the utterly batshit crazy World Health Organization special COVID envoy, David Nabarro. You know this guy. Uh, the war on COVID will never be over for this goon. He spoke to uh, Sky News K Burley, I think yesterday morning. I held this one over. I, sh- I should have ran it yesterday. What would it take for this guy to say that, that COVID is over and it's time to just start getting back to normal? But I also want to urge everyone to remember this is still a dangerous virus. We know how to prevent spread. So if we can continue with our face masks, with our physical distancing, and most of all, with respect for the virus, that would be really helpful. The virus is the problem and people are the solution. And more and more now, as I talk to even quite large groups of people, I realise that they are making up their own minds as to how to get on top of things. And it is absolutely not a good idea when cases are as high as they are, when the virus is moving as rapidly as it is, for the restrictions that we've all applied so carefully to be dropped. Please continue wearing face masks, continue physical distancing. It's the right thing to do. The World Health Organization asks everyone to maintain the caution because the virus is really moving around a lot at the moment (laughs) and you do not want to let go of the restrictions and to give the virus a free ticket right now. We'll be in our 70s, you and me, long long after we've taken back control of our lives. And David Nabarro will still be alive. He'll still be on telly telling you to keep the restrictions and keep wearing the masks. What a madman. What an absolute madman. It's at the top of the hour. Richard Kelly has been in touch to ask me about comments on the website. When you go on the website, you can comment during the live show at live comment. Go to richieallen.co.uk, top of the menu bar, live comment. Richard says that a lot of comments are being held for approval. Richard, there is nobody monitoring the chat. Nobody is willfully holding comments back. I swear on that. It isn't happening. It's a WordPress issue. There's me and me alone. And sometimes there's Hayden, one of the greatest guys you you could ever meet. But he doesn't work for me. He's got his own things to be doing. I'm all alone. I don't know. I sometimes go in there and I see there's 60 or 70 comments held over and I just approve them all in one go without even reading them. There is absolutely no censorship on richieallen.co.uk. Well, hang on there. Let's be honest about it. And I always am honest. I did kick a guy off some weeks ago for going on there constantly denying the Holocaust. 
I, 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 I deleted those comments and he kept putting them up there and eventually I kicked them off. Fuck off and do that on your own website. And, and I tell you, you say, Richie, free speech. Listen, listen, there's no but here. There never has been a but. There are organisations desperate to get rid of this programme. Desperate to get this programme off the air. And others like it. There aren't too many like it, but y- you know what I'm talking about. I'm not having people going on there, putting stuff up there that enables third parties to come back and say, look at what Richie Allen allows on his website. I don't agree with the Holocaust deniers. I never have done. Ever. I've been to Dachau, been to Auschwitz. I've met survivors of concentration camps. I don't agree with them. They're not going to be talking about that stuff on my website. They can fuck off and do it on their own. End of story. It's the only thing. And I fear nobody or any group. If you've, if you've been with me long enough, you'll remember what happened three years ago. Pro-Zionist groups have been trying to destroy this programme and me for years now. And I fought them every step of the way and stuck two fingers up to them. And I'll say whatever I want about Israel or, 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 or identity or Jewish identity or identity politics. I'll talk about it all. I'm not having people going on my website doing that because I wonder about their, their motivation, why they're doing it on my website. Do you understand? And that's the reason, really. I feel sorry for them, ultimately. But, um, but, but, but you've heard me say before, if, if people want to say that, they can say it if they want. I wouldn't put them in prison. I wouldn't ban them. But you're not doing it on my website, and that's the end of it. Uh, freedom Convoy. What is there to tell you about the Freedom Convoy? We heard from Joan a little bit earlier on. Joan was uh, in Toronto, but she went to Ottawa, didn't she? Uh, to check out what was, um, what, what was going on, uh, did Joan. Uh, there's not an awful lot to tell you, really. Other than the standoff between the police, between Trudeau's government and, and the police basically, you know, continues. Um, there are thousands and thousands of people in Ottawa, truckers. I don't have to, you know all this stuff, don't you? Um, and I can't say too much more, really, about that. I know there are people listening to the programme now from Canada, from, from Ottawa. If you'd like to drop me a message through the website, let me know. Um, you know, Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act, which gives him some powers, not necessarily the power to deploy the army on the streets of Ottawa, but there are those who don't believe that. There are those who believe that's going to happen anyway. I saw some very interesting footage on Twitter yesterday of police officers hugging, uh, this came up on the phone in as well yesterday evening, hugging and embracing and chatting with protesters, with truckers. So I just don't know how things are going. It's kind of gone a little bit quiet today. But if you're in and around there, or if you know more about it than I do, um, get in touch with me through the website or send me an email through the website and I will read it out for you, no doubt about it. I've invited a couple of the truckers on that I managed to reach out to. Not like not not this week, but since since it all kicked off. But I didn't have a lot of luck uh, getting anyone to agree to come on. So uh, that's all I can say there. Okie dokie. Uh, four and a half minutes past the hour. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll leave that there then. No, we won't. We'll, we'll, we'll briefly stay with this because a young woman called Sophie Corcoran, who's studying at Durham University in the Northeast and who wants to run 
for the presidency of the Students' Union at Durham University in the North East. She's also a journalist and, and wants to go into journalism, I think, when she leaves university. Sophie went on the James Whale talk radio show to say that by cutting the funding from protesters or cutting the funding to protesters, that Justin Trudeau is effectively a fascist. That's what she said, this young woman who's studying at Durham University. She said Trudeau is a fascist by basically starving or cutting off the oxygen of legitimate protesters in Ottawa. He is outing himself as a fascist. And Sophie Corcoran told this to the James Whale radio show yesterday, and you probably won't be surprised that it didn't go down very well with, uh, with old James Whale. He's hiding. He's supposed to be a liberal. He literally represents the Liberal Party. What is liberal about freezing people's bank accounts if they disagree yeah. with the government? That's like page one of fascism. Yeah. What fascism is, Sophie. Listen, if they can say that they want to... If there's a law where they can actually freeze their bank accounts, if these people are actually affecting the economy of the nation, which they are doing then the government have to be able to do something to remove them so the rest of the people can get on with their daily lives. These smug-looking, overweight, mostly, long-haired idiots in Canada who think they're so clever... That That's very ironic, by the way. Whale calling people long-haired and overweight. His co-presenter is a fat bastard called Ash who's got a beard and long hair. He looks like a bit of a hobo. Just in case you didn't know, you can look him up. That think that yeah. they are running the country need to have a lesson. You cannot allow that. You that can't allow people energy. to block up roads and block up things. Yeah, unless they're Extinction Rebellion and they're screaming bloody murder about climate change, then you can allow them to block up roads and, you know, interfere with, with people's right of way and stuff like that. These guys are hilarious. A little bit more of it. Exactly. You know, it's just terrorism, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Terrorism, they, they say. Thousands of men and women who face losing their, their jobs unless they submit to taking a medicine they neither need nor want are terrorists, they say, because they take, they take to their trucks, drive to Ottawa, put some bouncy castles out, put some tents up, sing some songs and defy the government and say, well, no, you won't force us to take medicine we don't want and that might very well do us great harm. And the so-called journalist calls them terrorists. It's not terrorists. And they won't let the university student who's 19 years old Get a word in. No, but you're on the wrong the same side. Thing? What's the difference between doing that and blowing up a, a bridge, you know, even with no one on it, which you're blowing up a bridge? It's the same thing, you're blocking Is that a real question, Mr. Asha? It's the most ridiculous question I've ever heard in my no, life. You're not no, heard, it's, it's, it's the same thing, the same occurrence happens. It's just not. If you I mean, blow up a bridge, you can't use yeah, it. If same. you stick your bloody truck on it, you can't, can't use, use it, it either. Same, same result. What is the difference? Protesting their civil liberties, not. Blowing up an empty bridge. I don't. They're not interested in civil liberties, Sophie. They're stopping no. other people from going no. and exercising going hospitals. their civil liberties. Yeah. They're endangering lives. They're putting Trudeau and they're holding him to account. 
They can well, do that they, in other ways. They, they could just yeah. withdraw the Labour. You can hold him to account of the next election. Just withdraw it's the Labour. What democracy it's easy means? To say that when you're sitting on radio earning whatever you do, but these guys need to feed their kids. Well, withdraw the Labour then. It's Sophie, don't be so smug. Thank you for your time, Sophie. Good night. I'm not having that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be spoken to like that. Let's take oh. a break. So she gets kicked off the air. I'm still puzzled as to why the broadcast regulator in this country doesn't do something about those guys. Not just them, but O'Brien and the others who just cut people off. I know, I know, I know you'll say, listen radio shows, the presenters of radio shows should reserve the right to determine when an interview is over. But that's just rubbish behaviour, isn't it? And we've seen so much of it throughout the last two years. People being kicked off of programmes, laughed at, mocked, spoken about. I would have thought Ofcom, which regulates the broadcast media in this country, would have something to say about that. They must have been complained a lot of times, not just talk radio, but, um, but others. Yes, okay. All right. Uh, thanks for the comments. Dominique says, Richie, here in Spain, the outdoor mask mandate has been dropped and the vast majority of people are still walking around muzzled. I really believe they're all in the midst of this mass formation phenomenon. I visited some Spanish friends and their kids recently. They all had COVID over the Christmas. They were still wearing masks. I told them there was no need for it. And for me, uh, for me and in view of the fact that they are already vaxxed, Plus, they've all had COVID. They clearly don't need to be wearing anything to protect themselves. But I was met with the response to Dominique that they prefer to wear them. It's for the best. And after all, they are getting used to them now. Conditioning and programming, says Dominique. I do honestly don't know if they now feel uncomfortable without the masks or if they are simply waiting for their overlords to tell them it is now safe. Thank you, Dominique. And thanks for the kind words about the show. That's interesting, that. Waiting for their overlords. I can't remember which Telegraph journalist it was, but last week there was an article in the paper which said that even when societies, even when governments tell people it's time to ditch the masks, it's time to stop with the distancing, it's over. That even then, people have been so conditioned that even when the overlords, Dominique, tell them it's, it's time to stop, they'll continue to do it. And there is some evidence of that. When, a few weeks back, when the government here said Plan B restrictions are gone, you don't have to wear the masks in shops anymore, there was an outcry against it. Now, I know that some of the outcry is manufactured. I know that. I'm not stupid. I'm not naive. But a lot of it is genuine. I did my laundry today. I took my two big sports holdalls down to the laundry. Down to the laundrette, I should say. And I passed several people. And more than half of them were wearing masks. In the street, Dominique. They've been told by the same government who told them to wear the masks. They've been told you don't have to wear them. It's okay now. Omicron. I'm not saying I believe Omicron, but Omicron has gone through the population. Most people have had it. It's very mild. It's okay. We're coming out of the winter. Ditch the masks. And they still wear them. They're still wearing them. I see them in cars. You know, on my run this morning, I was telling Jean-Anne earlier, 
I, I'm purposely now when I'm running, I mean, you're always watching the road anyway, lest you get knocked down, but I do have a look at the inside of cars, who's wearing masks, and there's still, I'm not going to say every car now, I'd be telling fibs, but there's still an enormous amount of drivers in their own fucking cars wearing masks. What do you do with people like that? I mean, that really is, I don't know if Stockholm Syndrome, I don't know if Stockholm Syndrome even covers that. You're welcome, Richard. No, there isn't. I mean it. Nobody, we're not holding people's comments in moderation because there are things we don't like people saying. Most of the stuff that's said on the chat when I'm not on air, are, most of the things said on there are things I don't necessarily agree with. But um, I'm ne- we're not deleting things that are on there that we don't agree with. By we, I mean me and Hayden. And if I found out that Hayden was doing it, I would disassociate myself from Hayden. There's no greater champion of free speech than Hayden Hewitt in the world. Actively. Works night and day to platform people, some of whom have views that he would find abhorrent. That's how much... He would probably say to me, leave the Holocaust-denying tweets, uh, messages on there. But then he probably wouldn't because he knows... You know, the consequences for the radio show, the consequences for me. Um, but uh, no, we're not. You, you, you can go on there and, and you got people going, going on there with Flat Earth. I had Nick Pope on there the other night. There were a number of nasty comments about me interviewing Nick Pope. They're all still there. We're not in, d- d- deleting comments that are critical of the show or of me. Give me a break. Jesus wept. Uh, like, I'm going to be offended by someone saying something negative about me on the website, I couldn't care less. I very rarely read the comments outside of the radio show because I don't have time. No, there's something up with WordPress holding comments sometimes. It's it's word recognition. It could be email addresses, I think somebody is saying there. Just leave it with us. This is a one-man operation, folks. You've got to understand that. Please. You know, there's no team here. There's no producer. There's no editor. There's no website manager. There's me. <laughs> That's all there is. Big old baldy me. Eli says, Hi, long time listener. I play your show in my taxi. Could you bleep out the swearing, please? Eli, don't be ridiculous. Give me a break. You think I have the time later on to go through the podcast before I upload it? And beep out the occasional swear word. No, mate, no. It's it's clearly, clearly uh, defined on the podcast. On each of the websites, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, it's clearly labelled as an adult listen. So, so no, I'm not going to do that. And the swearing isn't that bad anyway, is it? Is it? Okay. Hi to Tammy who's classified as vulnerable, 10 years plus with MS. But Tammy says no mask, no jab, no self-isolation. I've just received a letter from the NHS inviting me for my second booster shot. I think not. Well done, Tammy. They must be stupid, are they? You've not had any shot at all and they're sending you messages to invite you for your second booster. Are they not keeping up with current affairs there? 
This is Bob Seeger and Get Out of Denver. I made a complete pause of that. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. Let's start that again. This is Bob Seeger and Get Out of Denver. Get out of Denver, Bob Seeger from an album called Seven. This is the Richie Allen Show, live from BBG Towers here in Salford. Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. Now, I think I'm going to finish with this today. Uh, just a couple of things about schools, which I found interesting. Uh, banning meat in schools was back on the menu again today. Get it? Get it? See what I did there? Uh, made me laugh. A vegan went on Good Morning Britain, a guy called Jake Yap. That's Y-A-P-P, Yankee Alpha Papa Papa, Jake Yap. He presents a podcast called The Vegan Life. He's a funny old fecker, is Jake. Here he is talking about why it's a good thing to basically ban meat in schools, Jake Yap. Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, simply because it, it makes life easier for everybody. Um, I mean... My my son is is vegan, um, and uh, he he can never have school dinners because uh, there's there's never a vegan option. So to me, it kind of makes sense to to make make it kind of accessible for everybody. You know, but, meat but, can but, get but, really but, complex but as well. Isn't that an argument for having better vegan options um, rather than just because it doesn't make sense for everybody, does it? Because it doesn't make sense for the people who want to eat meat. It it does make sense for everybody because I, I think we all know by now that um, the CO2 emissions from meat are easily, generally, at least 10 times worse um, than a vegetarian or vegan uh, option. Uh, if, if we want to raise the next generation to be kind of good custodians of the planet, it, it's definitely worth us kind of leading by example in schools. Leading by example. Stop eating meat in schools. Get the kiddies thinking that, you know, eating meat is destroying the planet. I wonder when guys like Jake Yap there, that was Good Morning Britain, by the way, I wonder when it, when, when will it dawn on Jake that he is the CO2, we are the CO2 they want to get rid of. It's got to dawn on him eventually, right? <laughs> because it'll never be enough, you know. CO2, yeah, let's stop eating meat, let's stop farming, let's stop grazing animals, let's get rid of animals. They've already said don't have pets, they've told people not to have pets. They're telling people not to fly, they're telling people not to drive. People will do all of this, they'll do what they're told, but it'll never be enough. Ah, still too much carbon. Well, what's left? You. You're left. You're the carbon. You're the only carbon that's left. (laughs) Be mass suicide. Gotta kill ourselves. Why? Let's kill ourselves and then let the planet heal and eventually life will grow again. Let's commit mass suicide for the good of the planet. These people are nuts. Nuts they are. And this is very important, I think. Teachers have been told to stop using information from, from, from organisations like Stonewall and Black Lives Matter because those organisations have partisan political views, right? Now, schools are required to be impartial anyway. I know they're not, I know, but they're supposed to be. But the Department of Education has given new guidance to teachers, telling them how to approach issues in a politically impartial way. So Nadeem Zahawi, the Education Secretary, 
said the guidance would prevent what what are contested theories being promoted as fact. Theories which are contested. Uh, There's a great irony here. We've just been speaking about climate change. You and I know that is a contested theory. It's a very contested theory. But the luminaries of science who disagree with climate change theory, they're banned from the media. So most people don't know that it is contested. But that's a contested theory that they will allow to be promoted as fact in schools. In fact, they're doing it. They're telling children, we are killing the planet. We're killing the planet. They're telling kids this. They're terrorising kids with this stuff. So it's hilarious that they came out today and said, we want to stop teachers presenting contested theories as fact when they do it all the time. Like, um, a woman can have a penis. That's not even a contested theory. That is monumental bollocks. But they tell children that's a fact. Anyway, so what they're saying is, we want teachers to stop promoting theories as facts. Right? Now, teaching unions are pissed off. They've said this will impinge upon freedom of speech. Basically, you're telling teachers what to talk about and what they should feel comfortable about and what they shouldn't. This is wrong. It's very interesting, this. I agree in principle, of course, that teachers in schools should not tell children what to think. They should never tell a child that a political issue or any issue, any ethical or moral issue, they should never tell a child that the answer is settled. Ever. They should present the issue to the child, let them read for themselves and think for themselves and draw their own conclusions. Now, interestingly enough, this came up on the Jeremy Vine show today. You'll first hear Rufus Hound. He's an actor and comic. Then you will hear very briefly Ian Dale, the LBC guy, and Shola Moss Shogbamimu. She's a lawyer. She's a black lady and a lawyer here in the UK. They're talking about this issue. Uh, This guy, Rufus Hound, is not impressed. He wants teachers to be able to present whatever political issues, whatever facts the teachers deem appropriate. He wants them to be allowed to do that. Have a listen. Um, Years ago, I went to Ireland as a gigging stand-up comedian and lots of the other comics were making jokes about things like the black and tans and things while I was in the room and I had no clue what it was all about, really. And you realise if you go around the world to places where our country has had an enormous influence, we're just not taught about half the things that we did over there. So I think the teaching of what our role has been in the world is woeful. Absolutely woeful. So do I. Absolutely. Our part in the slave trade, you know, we get taught about slavery as like a project at school, but it's not pointed out that actually most of what funded the Industrial Revolution and then what went on to, you know, become the British Empire was all on the back of slavery. It was, Rufus, it was. It was all on the back of slavery. It was the slaves. God love them. Guess what, Rufus? They're all fucking dead. All of them, they're dead. The slaves are dead. The people who did it are dead, Rufus. They're dead. They're long dead. They're so fucking dead now, there's nothing left of them. Not even bones. What do you want us to do about it? It happened. It's done. There is no slavery in the UK today. Well, there is. There is. Children being taken from their parents, put into care homes, and then preyed upon by by pedophiles. There is that, of course. But black people don't live in slavery today. Neither do brown-skinned people. Neither do people of colour or Muslims. There is none. There's none. Never been a better time to be an ethnic minority in the UK. 
They're all dead. Slavery. Thank you. You know, this this country has a shameful history, but if we're not taught it... But, but nobody alive in the UK today should be ashamed of it. How can you be ashamed of something you didn't do? How can you be ashamed of something that happened 300 years ago? 200, 100, or even 75 years ago? Should Germans be ashamed of what happened in Nazi Germany? No, of course not. Not a million years. Should Manchester's Jews be ashamed of what's happening in Israel, in Gaza, the biggest concentration camp in the world? No, they didn't do it. This is the mad shit we were talking about earlier on. You know, the, the vulnerable groups. Then we can't make amends for so it. Ian, and I think Ian, actually that headline in the Ian, Telegraph, what if you just was talking read about it out then. as a sentence... These are, so if you, if you look at if you look at Edward Colston pulling down of that statue, um, you could argue that it was part of the Black Lives Matter political movement. But also you could argue that actually Edward Colston did play a crucial, a huge role in imperialism. There's Ian Dale trying to get in. If this goes through, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be taught, would it? Because no, that was no absolutely not. Nothing in this article says that that wouldn't be taught in school. No, ever. He's absolutely right. Nothing in the government advice suggests that 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 Britain's nefarious, that that the bad things done by the British, you know, by by the kings and queens and the admirals and the generals of the British Empire, nobody is saying that that stuff shouldn't be talked about or taught. What they are saying is, and I don't really believe them, like the climate change example, what they are saying is they should not tell children what to think about it. That's the point here. Don't tell them what to think about it. Don't tell them what to feel about it. Don't tell them that they have any guilt because of it. That they should have any shame. Don't tell them that they have to make up for it somehow with their white privilege. Don't do any of that. By all means, teach them about the black and tans. Teach them about what happened in Ireland. Teach them about the colonies. Teach them that this stuff happened, but don't tell them that they've got any responsibility for it. That's the point, and I agree with that. I'm out of here, folks. I'm out of here. I'm back with you Sunday morning at 11, 10 o'clock even, UK time for Sunday morning melodies. It's been a busy old week on the Richie Allen Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Join me at 10 Sunday morning for a very laid-back, chilled programme, music and stories. Until then, you take care of yourselves and one another and enjoy your weekend. It's bye from the BBG. Oh,